It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. This is Dirt Radio. Hello, I'm John Langer. We're broadcasting on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, where sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. Health workers of all kinds have been active on the front lines right from the very start of the coronavirus crisis. But even during this time, some have still been able to turn their attention to the environment and climate crisis will inevitably be confronting once this pandemic finally subsides. This week on Dirt Radio, we meet two of these health professionals. I wanted to start by asking you just to introduce yourselves, tell us your name and what kind of health work you're involved in. Harry, if you'd like to start first. Yeah, sure. Um, So my name's Harry Jennings. I'm a doctor training to be a GP and I've passed all my exams. So hopefully in a few weeks, I'll be a fully fledged GP. And hi, my name's Kate Lardner. I'm currently working in the emergency department, which is a thriving place at the moment. Um, formerly was pursuing surgery um, and looking forward to what comes next. You're both medical practitioners. What was it that got you actively engaged in issues to do with the environment and climate change? Throughout my medical course at the University of Melbourne, I was always quite interested in global health and the health of people around the world. And then in the final year of my course, I attended a Students of Sustainability conference That one was at La Trobe University in Bendigo. And I saw a speaker there from Bangladesh talk about how climate change was affecting his community and what he'd done uh, to uh, educate his um, country folk on uh, climate change and its health impacts and support them in the context of cyclones and food insecurity. And I was really inspired to uh, address climate change as a health issue. Um, So I guess I've been working on it since then. Kate, what about you? Um, I guess I've always been passionate about social justice issues um, and fighting for the underdog. Um, I studied physio first, but um, thought that medicine would allow me to address um, poverty and um, people living in marginalized situations that had bad health outcomes so I was looking at working in the developing world Uh, then I learned about climate change and I realized that it would exacerbate all of the issues um, for those marginalized groups in terms of health outcomes and um, when I first got into medicine I had just learned about climate change and I was really torn about whether to keep going with medicine or to pursue climate activism um, and environmental causes at that point. But I continued on with medicine and managed to combine campaigning and medical studies. And um, I guess Healthy Futures has kind of allowed us to bring that health element to the climate fight. Now, you're both co-founders of a campaign called Healthy Futures, which is affiliated with Friends of the Earth here in Melbourne. Tell me about Healthy Futures. What kind of campaign is it? And what are some of its aims? I guess Healthy Futures set up to fill a niche area, um, which was uh, facilitating health professionals to um, learn the skills of activism 
um, and become organisers of other health professionals, um, there was already existing in this, um, in the Climate and Health Network, there was already existing um, policy development and advocacy, but um, campaigning and grassroots organising wasn't really being done. Um, so we set up to be um, a non-hierarchical organisation that facilitates health professionals to learn organising skills um, and to be strategic with campaign um, goals. Um, yeah. Harry, uh, just uh, something I found on your website. It said one of the aims of Healthy Futures is to work with and empower frontline communities to address health inequalities that they face from being on the front line. What do you mean by frontline communities? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, there some some people are more vulnerable, I suppose, to the health impacts of pollution than others. Um, and certainly there are communities in Australia and around the world that um, are more exposed to health impacts from air pollution, um, such as those near fossil fuel infrastructure, coal and oil and gas. So all fossil fuels when burned um, contribute uh, to air pollution and contribute toxic particles that can cause heart disease, lung disease and other problems. Um, so I guess that particular project of ours is focused on supporting people who live in those areas to advocate for interventions to improve air quality and protect their health. Now, I, I think my next question actually follows on quite well from what you just said. Some of the specifics, talking a, a little bit about the specifics. Harry, you're going to be involved in a forum being held in Gippsland coming up on August the 26th. It focuses specifically on air quality and health. I was wondering why you were holding this forum and what it, what's going to be happening there? Well, uh, it's the Gippsland Air Quality and Health Forum. So the purpose is to introduce healthcare workers and members of the public in Gippsland to some of the data and um, knowledge around air quality in Gippsland and its health impacts. We know that, um, I guess, in the Latrobe Valley is kind of the most densely populated part of Gippsland and also has pollution, which um, is due in part to the coal-fired power stations, amongst other things. So we have some information about the health impacts of that pollution. Um, but I, the forum will go broader than that and also look at um, health impacts arising from bushfire smoke, which a lot of people experienced across Gippsland over the last summer. Um, and we'll also sort of touch on potential connections with COVID-19 um, in, in the sense that uh, COVID-19 poses greater threat to people with pre-existing respiratory disease. And there's some evidence that um, air pollution may be linked to increased transmission or severity of COVID-19 as well. So, um, and I guess in terms of sources of air pollution that cause health impacts, um, there's also uh, a lot of people concerned about um, smoke from wood heaters and wood burning um, around Gippsland as well. So there's a diversity of contributors to the uh, pollutants in the airshed, depending on which part of Gippsland you're living in. Um, but our aim at this forum is just to sort of touch on each of those topics and hopefully because we've only got an hour in the forum but we've got a few expert speakers coming and hopefully we can generate interest in more uh, detailed discussions at future events. I might just add to that and say um, 
we have been quite Melbourne-centric um, to date, but I did study in um, medicine in Gippsland. Um, so we have connections down there and we regularly or yearly go down and run the climate change module at the university there for the medical students. Um, so we wanted to help um, kind of spread Healthy Futures work um, down there. And we'd surveyed the community of health professionals and they all um, said that air pollution was a concern of theirs. Um, so we're kind of providing an information forum and a chance for health professionals to ask questions of the experts. Uh, another area that Healthy Futures is campaigning around is health worker superannuation funds and how these funds end up getting invested in the fossil fuel industries. Kate, I wonder if you could talk about this side of the campaign and how things have been progressing. Yeah, I guess um, this has been a very popular campaign among um, our colleagues and Healthy Futures volunteers. Basically, um, it, it's a no-brainer that health professionals' money um, is currently going towards and funding the fossil fuel industry through our superannuation. And ethically, that is just not okay. Just like tobacco, um, it, it wasn't okay that health professionals' money was funding tobacco. And so the, um, the superannuation funds, the indemnity insurance funds, have no longer receive um, or invest in tobacco. And we think that um, given fossil fuels... Um, causative relationship with climate change that we shouldn't um, be funding that industry, particularly when we're seeing the direct effects of it through the emergency department with the thunderstorm asthma and the bushfires. Um, so we are pressuring HESTA and First State Super, um, who, were, who are the main health super funds, um, industry super funds. HESTA is... Um, now that First State Super has merged with um, Vic Super, Hester is now the, the kind of prominent health super fund. Um, so they're who we're putting a bit more time into. But we're pressuring them to divest from the 22 companies that market forces have deemed incompatible with the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, we have had dialogue with the, um, Hester directly with the executive and they kind of... Um, struck very hard to the mantra of we don't believe in divestment as a um, tool for change and we believe only in, in engagement where we stay investing in the companies and we vote at the AGM and we, you know, we can have a say in, um, in their environmental outcomes and we think that's the best process for change. However, when we had our demonstration back in February um, and we had media presence, um, that kind of tipped them over and they declared that they were divesting um, and we pressured them for a net zero emissions target and they initially said, no, we can't give you that. And then they came out with a 20 net zero emissions by 2050 target. So they did um, yield to um, the campaign request, but they're still not ambitious enough. Um, they've divested from three Australian companies and Coal India so that's excellent and it kind of erodes their mantra that we don't believe in divestment because they're declaring that they're very proud that they've divested. Um, mm. So we will kind of use that argument to push them further and we kind of thought the win for our volunteers would be, um, you know, everyone would want to take a rest for a while but everyone's kind of raring to go. Um, they really want to get Hester going all the way. So we're kind mm. of building behind the scenes um, plans as to how we're going to um, get that final divestment from all 22 companies um, and a commitment. Um, we're probably not 
um, pushing for a net zero emissions target um, at this point. We just want imminent divestment from oil and gas now that they've come out of coal. Sounds very promising. And you're getting a lot of support from the health workers themselves. Yes, very much so. I think um, there's some very, very passionate volunteers um, who really believe um, that despite their full-time jobs and families, that it's worth putting time into fighting for this. Um, and then you have a large supporter base who don't quite have time to um, be out um, campaigning, but they're very supportive. And there's a small number that I think still aren't aware um, that this is happening. So we're still trying to raise awareness about it as well. You're with Dirt Radio, and you're listening to Drs. Harry Jennings and Kate Lardner, co-founders of the Healthy Futures Campaign, an affiliate of Friends of the Earth here in Melbourne. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. Now, another tributary, if I can call it that, of Healthy Healthy Futures campaign is promoting renewable energy across Australia's health services. There's been a really interesting, I think, a really interesting development at a hospital in the regional town of Sale in Gippsland. Harry, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that that particular hospital. And is this the kind of thing you're aiming for across the entire health services sector? Uh, The short answer is yes. So uh, Sale Hospital installed at the time um, the largest solar array on any public health service in Australia, I think it was a year or two ago. Um, Actually, since then, Sale have been... Uh, pipped at the post by Latrobe Regional Hospital, who've installed an even bigger solar array, I understand, just this year. So the Victorian government, fortunately, is investing significantly in rooftop solar for Australian, for Victorian health services, um, which I think is excellent, both from an environmental and financial point of view. And then that has knock-on health benefits, as the hospitals are able to save money, provide more core services and also decrease their greenhouse gas emissions and thus limiting the health impacts of climate change. So that's the kind of um, change that we really support with our Repower Health program. Um, So the Victorian uh, Department of Health is doing well in this regard. We're hoping to expand our work to other states as well and encourage other state governments to promote solar on their health services and also work as much as possible with the private sector who um, in their... um, for their part, sometimes they can move even faster than the public sector and um, take positive steps. Are you getting some support for this this kind of initiative? You, you feel there's there's a bit of a groundswell? Yeah, certainly. So um, we had a couple of staff work on this project last year, um, and there were a lot of community members 
are interested in supporting Repower Health, particularly around Melbourne, where we were focusing at the time. Um, but it's kind of a, a pretty attractive project to promote solar because it wins on so many different fronts, the financial, the environmental and the health, um, that it's, it's, not a, um, it's often not a very difficult uh, case to make. And it's, you know, people quite like that means of creating positive change. Um, so now it's just a matter of finding how we can be most effective in um, expanding the project. Now, speaking of expansion, uh, the Health, Healthy Futures started off as a campaign in Victoria, but as I understand it, you've now expanded yourselves to other states. Briefly, what sorts of issues are being looked at in these other places? Kate or Harry, tell us a little bit about that. So I guess um, we have a, an employee working in New South Wales in the Hunter Valley region um, doing some frontline um, front work as well on um, healthcare for clean air, um, also looking at uh, pollution controls on the power stations there. Um, Harry, I might let you talk a bit about the Q Super in Queensland. Yeah, so um, I guess our success uh, in lobbying Hester and First State Super to divest from fossil fuels has inspired uh, healthcare workers and other um, community members in other states to launch divestment campaigns targeting their super funds. So only last week, I think we put a new page on our website where Q Super members can visit um, to send emails to Q Super asking them to divest from fossil fuels as well. So that's the default super fund for the public sector in Queensland, including healthcare workers, um, which will, I'm not sure about their total funds under management, but I expect it will be several billion dollars um, like Hester and First State Super. Now, you've also got plans, as I saw on your website, you've got plans to campaign around sustainable transport. And I was wondering just briefly why the, that sort of a focus. Kate, do you want to speak about that or I can have a go? Yeah, so um, we were invited by a fellow volunteer and neurologist, um, John Marori, to the North East Link campaign to see if we could collaborate which included active and public transport, pushing for that in the area, um, and also um, helping with uh, reduce the plans for expansion of the the freeway there. And um, we also have quite a lot of volunteers that are interested in increasing the public transport infrastructure and speaking about the health co-benefits of active and public transport. So we're trying to work in that space and we encourage anyone who is keen to work in that space to contact us um, because we would like to run some, um, some events with John's campaign, um, but also um, raise some awareness um, about it as well. Do you want to add to that, Harry? Uh, that sums it up. Um, and just to emphasise that uh, I guess there are... Besides um, promoting active transport and physical fitness, we can also reduce air pollution by promoting public transport systems over um, sort of private fossil fuel-based vehicles. So that's part of the rationale behind the campaign. And yeah, just to reiterate what Kate said, we'd love to hear from people who are interested in supporting this um, and working with the Sustainable Cities Program of Friends of the Earth Melbourne. Just, just as a, a rounding up, I know that health professionals have been on the front line of the COVID crisis right from the start, and this has been their area of most intense focus. 
But as a final question, from your point of view, uh, do you think that this current crisis has in any way had an impact on health workers? And that what I'm thinking of is getting them to think about the environment and the climate crisis that we'll all be facing even when the pandemic's over. Kate, do you want to speak to that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, one thing I guess we're mentioning at the forum, the Air Pollution Forum in Gippsland, is that having a, a baseline um, increased rate of respiratory disease does put a population at increased risk of um, a viral infection such as the coronavirus. Um, so we're speaking about um, addressing underlying um, health issues that can come from environmental causes such as air pollution um, as a way to protect people against something like this. I guess what the way I was thinking about this was, um, look, this might be a little bit sort of, I don't know, maybe it's a bit abstract, but I was thinking that the COVID crisis is, is upon us and, and certainly you're, you're, you as health practitioners are, are in the front lines. I'm just wondering if the, the idea of a crisis that we're in now somehow in people's minds can be transferred or extended into a, a discussion or even thinking about an environmental and climate crisis? Definitely. I think so. I think there's a number of things. Um, one is that people have seen that as a society, we can move very quickly um, to try and mitigate a problem. So I think that's given people hope in relation to addressing climate change. Um, and I think people have realised that we don't need to depend on the carbon intensive systems um, that we thought we couldn't do without. So I think as a society, we're realising that we can um, live without things and still be okay and have quite a good quality of life. I think also health professionals are um, trying to um, just keep head above water at the moment, but also a lot of voicing concern that we, we also want to give time to um, climate change as a, an issue that we need to imminently mitigate and it, that message is getting lost in all the COVID um, media, which is very important, but it's also important to think that, you know, if we've been hit by bushfires in Victoria, we've been hit by COVID, you know, we'll come up to breathe again and then we'll, we may get hit by bushfires again. It's, we can't keep coming up um, from the water to breathe. We need to start actually long-term planning and addressing these things. Mm. And as climate change progresses, we will see changes in infectious disease patterns and things like pandemics may well become um, much more um, likely. Look, that's really very interesting and, and really important points that you're making there. Harry, is there anything you'd like to add to that? No, I think that's a good summary. Well, look, I, I want to uh, end at this point and I want to thank you very much for your time and, and uh, also I want to wish you all the best and keep yourselves well. I think that's really important and uh, hopefully we'll be able to chat again sometime soon. Thank you so much, John, for having us on the program. Really enjoyed it. That was Harry Jennings and Kate Lardner. They're both medical doctors and they were talking about their health and climate campaign, Healthy Futures. Their campaign is affiliated with Friends of the Earth here in Melbourne. If you want to find out more about their work, or to get involved, go to the Healthy Futures website, healthyfutures.net.au. And if you're interested in the Gippsland Air Quality and Health Forum that we were talking about earlier, it's a free forum providing 
an overview of air quality in Gippsland, including sources of air pollution, health impacts, and the potential relation between those things and COVID-19. It's happening on August the 26th at 7.30 p.m., and there's a Zoom link on the Healthy Futures Facebook page. That's all from Dirt Radio this week. We'll be back again next Tuesday at 9.30. I've been talking to a couple of doctors, so let's go out with a song from a musical doctor. Here's Dr. John. It's Dr. Mark Winnetong here. Coronavirus has certainly changed the way we live, work and connect. These changes can be hard for some of us and can make us feel no good in our head or spirit, like sad or worried all the time. Some of us might already be dealing with other things like sickness, trauma, and this can make it really hard for us to feel good about anything at the moment. If you're feeling like this, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Have a yarn to someone you trust, like your family or an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health worker. You can also call Beyond Blue, Lifeline or the Kids Helpline to talk to someone 
or look at some helpful information at headtohealth.gov.au on the internet. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. <laughs> 